This is Business Dad. How does the man in charge of Adobe's suite of creative tools feel about markers and crayons in his own home? On this episode, Alexis Ohanian talks with Adobe's chief product officer, Scott Belsky, about stimulating curiosity and creativity in his own children. Prior to Adobe, Scott co-founded the social media platform Behance in 2006 and served as CEO until Adobe acquired Behance in 2012. Scott is also the author of two best-selling books, Making Ideas Happen and The Messy Middle. He lives in New York City with his wife, Erica, their seven-year-old and two-year-old daughters, and their five-year-old son. This episode of Business Dad is brought to you by Nara Baby Tracker. New babies don't come with an instruction manual, and those first few months can be pretty overwhelming. Infants thrive on a schedule, so getting one down is key. But sticking to it with multiple caregivers can be a challenge. NARA makes it easy to keep track of diapers, feeds, sleep, and more. You see, multiple people can even seamlessly go on and off duty without messing up the baby's routine. I've been a fan of the service from day one, largely because every other baby tracker I tried was so bad and poorly designed. And I was... uh, so motivated by Nara's story that we ended up being their first investor. So Nara Baby Tracker is a smart baby app developed by a mom and free to download on Apple iTunes and Google Play stores. Visit narababy.com. We talked a little bit about this in Cam, and this is what I want to dig into because like, we're very proud to have you in the initialized family through Behance when you were CEO there. You get bought by Adobe, chief product officer here. You've been a founder. You've been an investor. Uh, you're doing a lot of stuff. You have uh, three children. Yep. I, I have become fascinated with how, how we manage to balance it as business dads between the careers that we love and, and are so deeply passionate about and successful at, uh, and then also our family life, which we know is like the legacy that matters. Um, at the end of the day. And so I'm just curious for you, what does it mean to be a father and, and specifically to be a, a like business dad, to be someone who is clearly very career driven, top of your game, um, but what role does your family and your kids play in all that? It's so fun and interesting to have this conversation because mm-hmm. I never do. You know, right. it's, it's uh, so, so thank you. And the second thing is I'm still figuring it out. Like this is a, you know, constant struggle, right? To challenge myself to say, do I have the right, balance? Am I the best dad I can be? Um, Am I truly present? Am I also applying the things that I love doing at work, like inspiring a team and being creative and solving problems? Am I bringing those those passions back to my kids and like participating in their own education? I mean, we all know now that traditional education versus experiential education. It's really about the experiences and the the things that are the, you know, not the center, but the edges that end up really molding and inspiring kids and playing a profound role in their life. As a dad who happens to be an obsessive about building digital products and experiences and helping gather and empower creative people, like what am I, what am I doing with my family with those passions is another thing I sometimes ask myself. I also find that uh, the time with the time with my kids is also a like consistent grounding because regardless of whatever happened that day or whatever's happening the next, they don't care. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just want to be there. They want connection, and um, and so it's it's uh, you know I've attempted the balance with the realization that balance isn't happening at every moment in time. It's typically only happening over periods of time. There are bouts when I'm traveling. There are bouts when I'm home and. 
um, and then just trying to be as present as possible when I am. But these are this is the work in progress. Like I'm sharing with you the puzzle pieces in my mind before they're connected. What what for you is an important sort of ritual or routine that you have? Well, I would say um, so. Once or twice a year, I try to take um, my two oldest, seven and five, mm-hmm. I try to take them either together or one at a time on like some sort of trip, like an overnight type thing. Yeah. And I find that extremely fun. In fact, this past weekend, we went to Collective Retreats, which is this sort of like huge, fun campsite on Governor's Island right off the coast, of, right off of New York. And yeah. you just 10 minute ferry ride and you're seeing the whole city and we... Um, we had like a night of making s'mores and stuff. And, you know, and so I think that some of the rituals are around like real great time together. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then arts and crafts. Like that's our, that's so our that jam. That makes sense for you. That's our yeah. jam. Do, is there a, was there a point when you, uh, when you got the bug to be like, hey, let's, let's, let's talk about, let's talk about some usability testing. Uh, like have you, well, how much of your work have you brought home? Yeah, you, yeah. you talked about the part of inspiring teams and creativity, but yeah. where, where does that balance happen? So we have a, a new product coming out called Adobe Fresco, which is like a drawing and painting application on the iPad. Mm-hmm. And I've been having my kids test and use this product for the last year um, because it's amazing. They are using the Apple Pencil. They're you know drawing with oils and watercolors and, and they're loving it. Of course, I'm also... Um, taking a lot of pride in them using a product that I am working on. And I love being able to say, you know, this is a product that daddy's team makes. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, what do you mean? How did you make it? They, they think I'm talking about the iPad. I'm like, no, 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 it's the <laughs> software. And they're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's it's really cool to like have something that you craft for a living be something that your kids are actually enjoying. So I, I feel fortunate to have that. And so I try to do that as much as possible. How have you have you been able to kind of demystify what daddy does for work? How how do you how do you talk about that with them? Yeah, so we have it down to daddy makes products for creative people. You want to have that connection and because it's also I think as a parent you always want to you want to expose the things you're passionate about to your children as well as things you're not passionate about because you want them to choose and find their own passion. But it is great to be able to have a conversation with your kids about some of the things you're doing. Because if they become interested and start asking you questions, it's almost like the, you know, the, the trifecta of alignment of you know, the things you're passionate about, the things your kids are passionate about, and time together. It's, you know, you wanna, you wanna dig there. I know I got, I felt very overwhelmed the first time I held my daughter, you know, my first. And then within a few weeks, started to get the hang of like, babies and you keep learning new stuff. Now you're, you're up to three already. What have you learned what, from one to three? And it's not, you know, the first kid is not the one that you're like the practice kid, but, right. but for so many parents, I mean, for all of us, right? Our first child is our first experience having to raise uh, someone. Um, what are some of your best learnings now that you've learned across, you know, three children? Well, I think there are a few principles I've developed based on my own experiences. I'm not sure if they are, uh, right per se i guess there is no right right yeah. well that's what we i am yeah. i am purely i want to try to collect as much of this data as i can so that i am and vice versa and i want to hear how you explain reddit and initialize to your i to don't your daughter, even try but... to talk about reddit to olympia uh she's not old enough but <laughs> but i do actually i have a story about that yeah, but yeah. I will... a few counterintuitive things like for example whenever i am with my kids and they're playing my assumption is oh i should jump in and play with them because we have limited time together and I feel like the greatest thing to do together is to play together. It's more fun to play together than to help them 
eat dinner and, you know, and get baths and whatever else. Uh, but I also have learned that it's like the individual play that is most creative. You know, when I'm sitting down uh, with my two older kids, you know, it's directed play by me typically, or my engagement in it is sort of influencing what they're doing. And, and if he's struggling to get a Lego on or she's struggling to do this, I, me jumping in is actually not helping them figure that out on their own. And so it's actually been one of those first moments as a parent where I'm like, wow, like what I want to do, I shouldn't do. I should really just let them struggle a little bit, let them play on their own a little bit, give them their space, even though I'd love to be a part of this right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been, you know, that's a learning curve for me. But I, I actually think it's, a, it's an important principle at this point. I, I think there's something to this too, especially because this generation of kids will have ceaseless distractions. They will have endless opportunities to be engaged. When I think of when I've been at my most creative, it has been, I think, in part because I was forced to be bored. Yeah. Because we had, like, eventually the Game Boy battery dies and you're on the long road trip and you're just stuck staring out a window thinking. Thinking, Yeah. Yeah. We already struggle. I mean, as soon as, I mean, you see the effect the screen has on a a kid and it is, I mean, it is magnetic. Yeah. And, And we struggle like every parent with it. Um, are there things that you've found are helpful for helping like exercise these muscles of being bored or yeah. of uh, just just any kind of experience that involves uh, that, that kind of creativity and sure. sort of frustration when <laughs> when you can't really do what you want to do? I mean, what I like to try to do is I try to ask them questions about whatever it is they're looking at. So if we're in a car mm-hmm. and they're looking out the window and they're starting to get fidgety, mm-hmm. I will ask them, um, why do you think there are three colors in every light? You know, what do they mean? Well, this is like a Google interview. Because I feel like, well, I, I just, yeah. it's, it, what it is, is it's stimulating curiosity, you know, where there wasn't any yet. Yeah. And they're looking out the window and they're bored. I ask them a few questions and suddenly they start to ask me questions back or start to come up with crazy theories as to why certain things are the way they are. And that. maybe that's what we can do as parents is to kind of scratch their imagination a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and for them to kind of dig into otherwise mundane things that we just glance over and ignore. So uh, I think that's part of it. I mean, if you think about it, what, what, what digital screens are doing is that synthetically. They're cons- constantly changing and scrolling and doing things that catch kids' curiosity. And as a result, they s- scroll and whatever. I mean, YouTube is the grand behemoth at this, right? Yeah. So how do, you, how do you take that into the real world? I think it's like st- stimulating curiosity uh, in, in new ways, pointing things out and whatever else. What I've also tried to do is, you know, when I'm reading books to the kids at night, you can just read the words and go page by page, or you can stop every now and then and then point to a character and say, what do you think she's thinking? And at first, when I did this with my kids, they were like, I don't know. I'm like, well, you know, what do you, her car is stuck in the muck, you know? What do you think she's thinking? It's like, will the police come? Oh, like, why would the police come? Because they'll call a tow truck. And you have a conversation as a starting off point. I think it's another trigger towards, again, like finding curiosity and like the otherwise mundane, repetitive motion of reading a book. Yeah. So um, I try to do that. Um, it's a fun jumping off point. I like this. You're all about creativity and certainly in the digital format. Are, I, I assume uh, markers and crayons and colored pencils are not banned in the Belsky household. <laughs> uh, and where... I mean, look, there's a lot of upside to just drawing an iPad because yeah. you're not going to ruin the ottoman right, right. Uh, like you will with the pen. Unless you draw with a regular marker, which happened once, then you ruin the iPad. But otherwise. Wait, seriously? <laughs> oh. You're like, well, why wouldn't this uh, pen work, right? Yeah, That's a really enough. good point. Fair enough. Uh, what would you say is the balance, the ratio of digital to uh, analog uh, yeah. creative devices? 
Yeah, not that I, there's I, a right one or a wrong one. I'm just curious as someone who lives in this. Sure, in this, in this world. Yeah. I mean, listen, they have created so many things on the iPad. Yeah. And we have, a, I, have a, I have a little notebook called AM Drawings, mm-hmm. where when I give it to them to play with, they will just create so many things, yeah. right? So I'm a huge proponent of that. And I'm not scared of something just because it's digital. Sure. In fact, I think creative literacy is one of the most important things these days. And I think digital creative literacy is probably the most important thing for the future of work when everything else is commoditized and automated. Oh, yeah. However, one of our favorite pastimes is we go to, on Saturdays or Sundays, we'll go to Michael's, the arts and oh, yeah. crafts store. What? Right? And, uh, and it's just, you know, get a big basket and it's just going around and getting things like glitter or those little googly eyeballs and then glue guns. So that's the latest rage in the Belsky household these nice. days is glue guns and make stuff. Um, the kids, you know, got these big poster boards and we made this kind of big contraption where we, of course, I was like gluing, you know, every single poster board together and it became like a little crawl space, mm-hmm. which became decorated and glued on in addition and whatever else. Uh, something about the physical activity is just, uh, there's something so innately human about it. And I think yeah. there's certain spatial skills and just fun that has to, that is to be had in the, in the analog space. Yeah. And then, you know, the one other advantage though on the digital though is like, we're already starting to pile up with the analog creations yeah. and you never like refrigerators. I mean, there's only so much refrigerator space. Right. And so I feel, do I feel bad recycling some of my daughter's drawings? Yeah. Yes. But at some point, right, there's a, <laughs> oh there are spatial constraints. You can only send so many to relatives. In our, in our bag, we have the same travel bag. I, w- I opened it in San Francisco Stop the other day. It. And I got this from my daughter. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding. I'm, I kept it in my bag, obviously, because why would I want to? Oh, um, man. I mean. So she got some help writing this, obviously. But dear daddy, I miss you. Please write a letter back, which I wasn't sure how to do because we were in, I was in California coming back two days later. All right. I mean, this is adorable. That's, that's pretty cool. I mean, right? Analog, huh? And so this was just a little surprise. And she, delight. In, she surprised me. It's she, the first time product manager. I have ever gotten a surprise, and I just didn't know what to do. And so right, to your point, awesome. you were saying, like, what do you do with this stuff? Obviously, it's still in my bag a couple yes. weeks later. I'm, not, I'm never going to throw For this For 30 years, you're still going to have that drawing. <laughs> just wait until Olympia can draw. Right? I know. No, I'm already getting excited just imagining that. And now it's like, no pressure, Olympia, but where's my damn note? <laughs> but like that, even in a digital first world, actually, I think because everything is here and all the direction is here, there's an extra niceness to it because it's a, a more scarce, tactile, physical thing. That's true. And it's funny, we live in this world where as more is digital, analog becomes more special. Yeah. Just like in the constantly connected world we live in, disconnection is becoming a competitive advantage. Good goodness, if yes. You spend yeah. a couple of hours thinking, that's like more thinking than anyone else is doing these days. Yeah, it's a huge advantage. We, we see that too. The, the story that I was going to circle back on was how a big part of why I got so excited going back to initialize was because of dinner table conversations mm-hmm. and because, you know, I was on my paternity leave. My wife has some really good stories from work. Uh, I have, I have some pretty good ones. I found myself helping lead a company with like 400 or so people that had reached a, you know, a good milestone from before coming back to Reddit. And then I don't, most of the time I was doing, you know, executive therapy sessions and and doing things that did not feel like great stories anymore. And I felt like I have this tremendous privilege to be able to really choose. So let me optimize for this. 
Like, let, let me let me optimize for the thing that in 10 years or I won't say four years when Olympia yeah, yeah. is like, what do you do for work? Yeah, stories. And I'm able to be like, oh, well, here's what I do. Like, here's this entrepreneur I met that I, yeah. we didn't even invest in her, right. but she has this amazing idea and I think it could be the future of blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, but here's when we did invest in and she's working on blah, blah, blah. Right. And 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 wanting to have have that part of of my identity be something that I could be especially proud of. And that's not to say I'm yeah. not proud of Reddit, but uh, it was just different. And I can't even imagine, though, we have a few founders. I should actually wonder how many in the portfolio are parents. Um, we have quite a few. But going through the process of being a founder, of being a CEO of a startup with kids, to me, feels like next level. I mean, that's, that is the true challenge. As much as initialized is my baby um, and as much as I think of it as my startup, it doesn't have the existential fear, yeah. right? We get management fees every year. We know sure. startup life was a thing that you were able to navigate successfully uh, with Behance. Yeah. Uh, how how did you find, what were the, the, the hardest times during that when balancing it also with, you were at least a parent of one, one for a period of time. That, yeah. yeah. And then now you've got a publicly traded company, right, right. which is a yeah. whole other set of stress. Yeah. I mean, I think that you know, parenting, there's a, there, it, it's a, spark for a ton of self-awareness that is transferable throughout your life. And as we all know, self-awareness is probably the competitive advantage in any business. Um, I also think that everyone talks about time management and the more you have, you know, if you want something really done, like give it to a busy person type of thing. Mm -hmm. And I, I actually believe that parents, you know, learn how to economize their time and really make sure that every minute is maximized. Mm -hmm. the, the lesson how to be present with your children, despite everything else that's going on, mm -hmm. is again, extraordinarily transferable when you're in a very competitive startup or a fast growing business. And you have to, I mean, you know what it's like. You you may be you know, meeting with an investor and then meeting with this team and then dealing with this fire and then being with this press person. And mm -hmm. you have to compartmentalize. Yeah. Like that is the ultimate tool of the trade. Yeah. But that's what it's like being a parent. Mm. I mean, as much as what's going on at work or in your life, you are just like there and you're there for a particular purpose. And it's, um, it's a great skill to develop. So some people struggle with it and, and some people are able to grow through the challenge and become better at it. And I think, uh, you know, and so some people obviously struggle probably more as a parent and being an entrepreneur or leader in a business. And some people end up becoming more efficient and more strong in both. Um, and I think it's up to the person to in, embrace that challenge. Yeah, see that, I was, I was just talking about this with my wife, about this time management and this idea that it now, it really runs through a lens of this time that I am not spending efficiently is, is either time squandered with my daughter or, or time squandered with the, the, the work that I care about. And there's just not, I mean, there's, I, I say daughter, but I also mean family because yeah. my wife too, yeah. but, but it really does force you to have to be so deliberate and, and it also makes it easier to say no to things yeah. that just don't pass muster. I think you're right. When exercised well with discipline, it will make, it'll make a founder or CEO better uh, because they're, they're using those same skills across both. And saying no, I mean, that's a, you could have a whole podcast on that, but it's uh, how do you how do you develop those muscles and those instincts to know when to say yes and when to say no? You know, to compare how every part of your body is telling you different things. You know, the gut instinct versus the thinking and the strategy versus like the heart and the emotion of do I do something or do I not? But it's um, the filter needs to get 
much stronger in order to be effective as a leader and or a parent. And there's this weirdness because people listening who are still early in their careers wish they had enough. They wish they had the problem of too many things to say no to. And so it's like, like you have to be open. You have to be saying yes a lot until it becomes different playbooks at different stages. Yeah. And so there, there is this interesting disconnect but I would argue that it even becomes like, it's a skill I, I know I need to continue to get better at. It's yeah, a skill yeah. that like a, a, a lot of folks I know struggle with. And it feels like even if I maybe had a kid sooner, I would have ex- I would have exercised those muscles because that would have been a reason to say no yeah. until I got to the point where there were also career reasons to say you would have You would have wasted a lot, a lot less time. God, I'm if just you had a kid earlier. Race, um, <laughs> no, but if you think about it though, it's like, the surface area in the beginning of anyone's career needs to be extraordinarily permeable and open. Yeah. Like any opportunity What a beautiful we can get, way to describe right? it. Yes. No, right? that's absolutely it. And, uh, and you should do that. And, and 98% of it will be wasted time. But the 2% of it that, that is signal that matters makes or breaks your career. And, and if you didn't take that call or make that meeting or go to that conference, you would have missed it. Yeah. As, you, as your life changes, um, the surface area closes. Your hit rate has to go up. And I guess the question is, how do you get your hit rate higher um, than 2% um, to compensate for that? And I think those are the skills you actually develop as a parent, as a leader, as a multitasker, as someone who faces adversity. I mean, all of these challenges are, you know, make you, make you uh, prepared. What was the, the, the hardest time for you as a dad? Do you have something that, that my, we've only got two years, I, uh, Olympia, fell out of her uh, high chair, got a little break in her <laughs> arm, and we were in France. And yeah. yeah, and I don't speak French very well at <laughs> all. Uh, my wife does and my nanny does, but like I feel a little bit also as a father, right? Like my child is in pain. Like I, I feel this almost like primitive need to yeah. be able to protect her. And yeah. and because if, if I'm not protecting my family, I'm failing as a father. The helplessness. And it is, it is even made worse. So one, you've got a kid who can't really communicate. You just know that they're in pain because they're only like one and a half. And then you're in a foreign land where you've got to re- run everything through a translator. And it's just, it's agonizing. And that was, to date, has been the most painful experience. Got through it, learned a lot, and everything's fine. It'll be as great. Yeah. But... It was the first time when I was like, oh, holy shit, like the stakes just got so much higher because this, here's this little person I am sworn to protect and there's nothing I can do and yeah. she's clearly in a lot of pain. The, the fears you have as a parent is the stuff that happens to your kids that you can't be there to protect them from, right? Mm-hmm. And whether it's you know, all the fears that we run through in our heads, which is probably a biological necessity for us to make some good decisions mm-hmm. on behalf of our family. Well, first of all, the first everything, like the first mm-hmm. time, you know, one of our children had some sort of medical issue, the first, I mean, you always, it's hard because you just, you, you haven't done it before. And then of course, as it happens multiple times, you're like, okay, you know. So the next break, I'll just be like, oh, whatever. I mean, the fifth break in, you're gonna be like, oh, here we go. All yeah, right, you do this, you do this, you do that. It's all of you. And you also are, are in a um, situation where you and your wife both work. You know, my wife is a psychologist and she has taken off time when we've had each child, but she also, during the periods where she's working and I'm working, and, uh, and you just realize that if you really plan perfectly, and everything goes on track, on schedule, planes arrive on time, everything goes well, you can make it work and it's amazing, but life doesn't work that way, right? Planes are late, things go wrong, patients have issues, whatever it is, 
And it's when the overflow happens um, and you just feel like you're frenetic and running around. I mean, I think those are those are the sort of everyday challenges mm-hmm. where it's it's most difficult. Um, nothing obviously trumps like the medical scares and the sure, things like that. Sure. But um, I always think about as a as a father and a parent, it's just strange like the the role that biology plays in all this. Like mm-hmm. the role, the feeling you get of like you know holding your child and how like that's, there's just like. I don't know, some sort of chemically induced tie and and uh, it's meant to be that way, Dude, right? The hug, <laughs> the hug. Right. I like a few months ago got my first like real like I miss you, you're leaving me hug. Right. You're just Isn't you're amazing. You're yeah, it, and it 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 makes everything else just feel so insignificant. You're like I would if I could bottle this hug up Right. And just take a sip of it every time right. I was feeling a little down or a little exhausted. I could do anything. Kids are running the show now. Um, and yeah. Any parent, any parent can understand <laughs> that, but it's, yeah. uh, it's pretty wild. What about best? Give me, give me like the, the thing that still makes you tingle because you were just so proud or so just. Yeah, seeing, seeing them become people. Yeah. And you're starting to see give that me, now. I need a moment. Too, right. But um, my daughter, who's now seven, but when she was six, her first performance of something. She was really into singing. She was going to a singing instructor who had a recital at the end of the season. It was this moment of pride where I was like, wow, like she's, she's a person. Mm-hmm. Like she's out there. She's enduring her own like nervous moment. Mm-hmm. Her heart is beating fast. She's overcoming it. She is courageous. Mm-hmm. She's memorized this thing and she's practiced it and she's sharing it. And she's beaming afterwards with pride for herself. And it's this first, you know, it's almost that, it's one of those sensations of, oh, not only has this chicken hatched, but it is like walking, you know, it is yeah. on its own. Yeah. It was just, so, there was something really, uh, really cool about it. And also somewhat sad because in some ways, wow, like I, that's a, it's a slippery slope from there, you know, that she's going to be doing that more and then she's going to be having her own life and her own friends. And then she's going to, you know, want to be on her own and doing her own thing. And then she's not going to tell me everything. And it's such a, it's a strange sensation, but it's super rewarding. I cannot wait. Do, do you- You'll f- be there soon. I, that is what everyone says, and it goes by so quick. And this is why we need to have more kids in order to get to relive those uh, special moments. Historically, so many dads have kept their life so cloistered. You know, it was the old ball and chain at home. I got to deal with the kids on the weekend, right? And And I think- one, I really do think one of the best parts of social media is that it has helped normalize a lot of dad behavior, you know, to the extent to which people are comfortable sharing their kids online. That's that's totally up to them. But but I think there have been more ways than ever to be able to normalize sort of fatherhood. Yeah. And especially for, I think, men in power. And, and that is, it's so important. Um, are there things that you've seen, though, within the org, whether it's it's men within your teams or whatnot, who are... I don't know, these moments where they're either bringing their kids to, to the office or to events or like, are, are you seeing more of this behavior of like dad normalization it's like really in the question. office? Because I'm thinking, you know, as I'm sitting with you now, Alexis, I'm thinking yeah. like, wow, you know, we were probably in Austin, Texas at South by Southwest like 10 or 15 years ago, Jeez. you know, yeah. uh, <laughs> Very hanging, different out, conversations. hanging out with a crew somewhere. And the conversation, like, what was it like then? And if we could see our conversation now then, and I'm thinking, like, that would be crazy. And I'm like, but why is that crazy? Like, yeah. why, why, why should there be such a disconnect between these kind of single entrepreneurs, like, fully engaged with something they're pursuing, and then, and then people who now have, like, a more balanced, like, holistic life and different things are important to them? 
And then, of course, all the data suggests that a lot of the greatest companies are founded by people in their 40s, which essentially probably do have children and have had some life experience behind them and whatever else. And I think that there is a um, there's a healthy interest with this sense of how one part of your life helps you in another, Mm -hmm. how we can live like integrated lives. Can we can we share our true selves? And what does true self mean? It means what are you doing on the weekend versus what are you doing during the day versus what are your fears versus what are your hopes? I mean, all the all the trends around people being more open about being in therapy, about dealing with periods of depression, about you know fears and hopes and sh- sharing their metrics publicly. I mean, all of this stuff together mm-hmm. is all to me in the same trajectory of... Um, the true self movement mm. and what there is to gain and transfer from one part of your life to another mm. by being open about it. So I love getting to know the people that I work with as people. Mm. I feel like I relate with them better. I understand them better. I'm, I'm able to be a better mentor and mm. boss. And, uh, and that's what bonds us, right? Is like human things. What's more human than your family, right? Maybe we've crossed this chasm of this ball and chain work life, home life, you know, that thing that you described to a point where the integrated self is the happiest self. The happiest self is the most celebrated, you know, person um, in our society. And, 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 and that's how we feed it. Dude, I, I hope this is right. And I think we have an interesting role to play here because if we believe software is, you know, eating the world and every company needs to be a software company, et cetera, et cetera the standards that we set in tech around this will have to become the standards for other industries. Because if those other industries want to hire the best and the brightest from tech, because they're going to need them at some point, they're going to have to adopt those same standards because that is the norm. No one's going to, it's already imagining someone to leave a company like this to go work for, say, just some generic, soulless, non-tech company that desperately needs their talent. Yeah they already have to make a really compelling pitch Mm -hmm. with salary and comp and and all kinds of perks. But on top of that, why would someone settle for less than when they know what uh, a a truly holistic org cares about? When they know that they've seen and they've experienced this way of doing work, they're going to take that with them. That's going to be the new standard. I think it's a great point. And it is powerful, man. It is. It it really is because then it's a business decision. Then it's not like, oh, this feels good. It's like we cannot hire the best and the brightest in this industry because this is what they need. This is what they want. And this is how they work. This is how they live, right? And, um, you know, I think about things like the lean startup or um, other movements that have come out of the world of technology that have then been adopted by business as a whole. Like what if, and this is one of the reasons why I love your work in this area, what if this is another thing like the world of technology can offer to the rest of the business world? Mm. All right, what are we calling it, Scott? What do we, how do we, <laughs> we just need a good, good branding for right, it. Right. Uh, is there any other stuff you want to make sure that people know about uh, the business dad life of Scott Belsky? Um, I guess, I mean, the last thing is just, um, you got to be easy on yourself because you're not going to get it right. Mm-hmm. You're always going to find periods where that feel out of balance or whatever. And I guess the important thing is that you have those conversations um, with your, uh, with your partner and yourself, uh, and your kids, it's not easy, but also it's like pretty amazing when you start to make inroads. It's one of those things in terms of how you, how you balance it, how you transfer one part of your life to another, live that integrated existence. Am I crazy? But, but let me just spitball an idea real quick. Yeah. Uh, while talking about all this, I'm like, should I be having quarterly 
board meetings with my family. Now, Olympia can't really contribute to these meetings right now, but like, and I'm not saying like we're going to have OKRs. I'm not, I mean, in my head, I was kind of like, oh, maybe we could have some time. But, but like, is there a way to take some of the best practices? This is not romantic at all, but are there some ways to take some of the best practices from running a business and actually apply them to that organization that is very complex, but also very important? just like our business, our, our families. Yeah. Is there a, a way to do this? Isn't it amazing that we don't do it? I mean, we, we want to optimize our teams. Yeah. And, uh, and so we have review cycles and we ask for feedback. And we, 360 reviews? Right, 360 reviews. <laughs> but we also ask, you know, our, we, we, look at, we look at the people on our team and we say, how can we develop them? What are her strengths and weaknesses? How can we give him this feedback and whatever else? And yet we take so much of our, you know, family life just kind of as it is. And we assume that those, and it does seem strange, but to your point, like, are, are we, um, are we checking in? It's funny when, when, when our son was um, applying to the small school, they asked a couple questions about him and it prompted my wife and I to sit down and be like, well, what, you know, what are Miles like strengths and weaknesses? And what, what is, what is he like as a kid, you know? And, it prompted this great conversation where she said to me afterwards, like, it's amazing we don't go out on our, you know, once a year, twice a year and just ask this question to ourselves. Like we learned so much about our child just by kind of synthesizing it. Mm -hmm. And I, it occurred to me to your point, like, wow, we do do this at work Mm -hmm. on a regular basis. It's a good question. Maybe it's called like the check-in, you know, and there's some like sort of questions you ask yourself about your kids and about your, your family and how you're, how you're doing it. Mm-hmm. That prompts some sort of. You'll always get something out of the exercise. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is something where we got this. I'm glad we got this on tape because the Little moment, idea. the moment. But I think there's, I, I think there's something here. I'll need to romance a little bit to get uh, my wife on board because she's already <laughs> like, please stop calling this family a startup. And I'm, I'm like, this is a term of endearment. No, I mean this with love. But uh, hey, but you're applying, like, you're applying your lens to every part of your life, yeah. which to me is only a good thing for you and for the yeah. rest of us. I know we're just so it's funny as founders we're just so broken and like that's I mean I think it's a it, it is as you as you pointed out right off the bat self-awareness is so key yeah and I, I know you've seen this in hiring and investing I've definitely seen this in hiring and investing it is it has quickly risen to a top priority for so much of what we look for yeah in in candidates as well as founders and I'm trying to display some of this myself by realizing, like, yeah, I know the idea of having a, a, sort of a, a board meeting for the family does on its face seem a little absurd. But I think you're helping tease out something that is actually a little bit more practical. There, there's something there. Yeah. There's okay. something there. Awesome. Scott, hey, pleasure, dude. Absolutely. This is good, man. Great. Great conversation. Thank you. Business Status brought to you by Initialized. Initialize invests in early stage technology companies and helps founders avoid the thousands of landmines that can cause failure. Visit initialize.com to find out more.